Just a little disclaimer. Um, last week we were talking about relationships. We want to continue that for just the few moments we have this morning. Hopefully we can get through all of this. But I am aware in a group this size that, you know, there are people that, you know, when you come to talking about relationships, it can be a little raw. Perhaps you've lost a spouse recently. Uh, there's been perhaps some kind of a tragedy or perhaps there's others here who've had a rocky marriage or maybe even a divorce. And talking about relationships can stir up some, some things and emotions that you'd rather not feel at this moment. I get that. And I understand that. And I know there's some here that are singles. And um, right now that may not even be on your radar. And you're just kind of just trying to, you know, move through life where you're at. And, and there's others here that perhaps you've been married for many years and maybe now you're past that and maybe your spouse has passed away a, quite a while ago and you just kind of don't feel like you need any more information on marriage because that'll never be a part of your life again. But let me just say this, um, you never know who you're going to be talking to that needs your wisdom. And with that, let me read Hebrews 13 verse 4. It says that marriage should be honored by all. And the word honored means valued. In other words, we all, not, not a few of us, but every, every segment of our society, every part of our community should be talking about marriage, at least valuing it, at least uh, making it a point of conversation, have a, some understanding when it comes to this thing called relationships and especially married, being married. And I've always thought it was interesting that we'll spend 12 years of our life going to school and maybe if we don't go, we do get a GED and we try to get some kind of a diploma and then some go further and get a two-year, a four-year degree to specialize in a specific area for a job that they will do eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. And yet that same person will not spend one minute reading a book, listening to a podcast, going to a seminar, or anything dealing with marriage. And yet we'll get married thinking that they know everything about marriage, that how hard can it be? You just kind of do a little ceremony, and there, zap, there you are, and you live the rest of your life, and, and that's what it's all about. And you, just, you don't need any education, you don't need a book. And let me tell you something, you probably figured this out, but that, that's just not right. You can't do that. You need to sharpen the tools in your, in your tool bag when it comes to marriage. In fact, my wife and I, we try to always, you know, uh, be a part of some kind of a seminar or some kind of workshop or something um, uh, about dealing with marriage and uh, all, all these years. And we've, we'll be coming up on 30 uh, years in two, two, week, two months from now, right? Two months, two months from now. <laughs> and uh, time flies when you're having fun and we just have a lot of fun. And, and, um, but we just re uh, falsely assume that, um, you know, marriage shouldn't, shouldn't be that hard. And it's absolutely opposite of that. In fact, I want to just do a little survey here. If you've been uh, married um, uh, more than 25 years or more, would you stand to your feet? Married more than 25 years, stand to your feet. Oh, my goodness. Come on. All right. Now, now stay standing. Now, if you've been married more than 40 years, stay standing. If that's not you, then you go ahead and sit down. More than 40 years. Look at this. Come on. Awesome. Woo. Amen. Well, you can have a seat. 
We honor you today. Thank you for your, um, your hard work. You can have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. Now, 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 I can say this. This is what I'll say. This is what I'll say. If I were to go to each person that's, that stood up after they've been married for over 40 years and ask them, question, has this been easy or has this been hard? Every single one of them would say, <laughs> oh, be careful now or it may not last more than 40. Uh, of course it's been hard. Of course it's been hard. Anything worthwhile is always hard. Let me just give you a couple quotes by one of my favorite authors, Mark Twain. He said, God's great cosmic joke on the human race was requiring that men and women live together in marriage. <laughs> Another time he said that love seems the swiftest, but it's the slowest of all growths. That no man or woman really knows what perfect love is until they've been married for 25 years. So Melissa and I, we just figured out what love was about five years ago. It's been eye-opening. So last week we talked about a unity candle. We, we kind of brought that together at the very end and we just talked about how you have to bring God in the middle of your marriage or it's just gonna be a hard road to hoe. And so we talked about the need for you not to leave God at the chapel after you get married and Instead, bring him into the relationship on a daily basis in your lives. And how with God, your marriage has great success and hope. But without God, you're going to have some difficulties because the reality is how your relationship with God is determines how all your other relationships are. Let me just say that one more time. How your relationship with God is determines how all your other relationships go. And if you have a weak or non-existent relationship with God, you're going to have hard, difficult relationships with others, especially the person you call your spouse. In the Marriage Builder book called, uh, the book called The Marriage Builder, Larry Crabb, a lady in our church, brought my, this to my attention. She said, many relationships are like this. I want to show you a picture of what many relationships are like. Anybody familiar with that? You've seen something like that on your body once or twice? Or maybe on your dog, you let your dog out, go play, and comes back, and... It's filled with all these, these things. And the, Larry Crabb said in his book, many, he said, many relationships are like two ticks with no dog. <laughs> Just sucking the life out of each other. And I think that's probably a good analogy. Because what we have done is we look to one another to fulfill the two basic needs that every human has. What are those two basic needs? One is to be loved unconditionally, and one is to be valued intrinsically. There's a desire within you to be loved and a desire within you to be valued. But here's the deal. No one person can love you unconditionally, and no one person can value you infinitely. It doesn't and will not ever happen. But here's the good news. 
The moment you invite Jesus Christ into your relationship, then now you have the possibility to love someone unconditionally or to be loved, let me just say it like that, unconditionally, by now your father. Here's, here's a good way I can maybe explain it, if you would uh, follow along with me. Two people come together. They meet each other, and they're like, yeah, you look pretty cute. Oh, you look cute too. Hey, let's, let's date a little while. Let's get together, and let's have some fun, and let's just, uh, you know, date and, and call each other boyfriend, girlfriend, and oh, let's get engaged. Oh, oh I love you. I love you. Oh, you, you, you just make me so happy. You look like you're the greatest, most gorgeous woman in the world. You're the most handsome man in the world. Oh, my, let's, let's, let's set a date. Let's set a date. Let's do that. And, and, and all the time, you don't realize this, but she's looking at you going, I think this guy's got what it takes to fill my cup. And he's looking at her going, I think she's got what it takes to fill my cup. He goes, I know what my weaknesses are. She goes, I know what my weaknesses are. I think his strengths will match my weaknesses. And so I'll just hook up with this guy, this woman. And, and so once we get married, I'm, I'm going to believe that he's just going to fill my cup. Oh, thank you for filling my cup. And this, this poor lady, she's over here just starving to death and withering on the vine and not happy in the marriage and not involved and shrinking back. And so, so he, he, he starts to, to pull back, pour, pour into her and he goes, okay, I'll give you, give you, give you. And yeah, he's got the same issues. And so what we find is, is that we have two incomplete people trying their best to fulfill each other's needs, give you complete love, unconditional love, give you complete value, value that you know you need and I, I want myself, but there's no way you have what it takes to fill his cup and no way, sir, you have what it takes to fill her cup. It's not going to happen. He will never, she will never meet all your needs. There's only one way you can have your needs met. Oh, Heavenly Father, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I give you everything I have. Oh, Lord God, fill my cup. Thank you, Father, for making me somebody I could have never been on my own. Thank you for filling my cup. Oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, let's get together. Mwah, sweet. Oh. You're so precious. He don't need nothing from her. She don't need nothing from him. They found that they got all that they need from Jesus. That he met them at their place of incompleteness. And that he values them and loves them even when their spouse ignores them. Where's the old saints years ago? You may have remembered this song, and I think they got it right. I used to sing it. You probably have sang it yourself a few times. It goes like this Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Go ahead. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven. Feed me till I want no more. Here's my cup, fill it up and make me whole. That is exactly the prayer and the cry and the way we live our lives. I'm not looking at her to fill my cup, to complete me, to make me everything I need to be. And she's not looking at me. We realize that Jesus makes up the difference. Real quickly, this morning I want to give you 
Four tips for a healthy marriage. Are you ready for this? Turn to your neighbor and tell them this is going to be good. All right, just go ahead and tell them this is going to be good. Now tell them you're probably not going to like some of this. Go ahead, just, <laughs> just put that out there. You just may not like some of this. A scripture I want to jump into this morning, rarely heard dealing with relationships, Proverbs 17, verse 17, it will, I believe, enhance point number one. Point number one is see your spouse as your friend. See your spouse as your friend. Sorry about that up there. And, 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 and now let's read this scripture. The scripture, I love this scripture. It says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born, or in other words, the purpose of a brother is for a time of adversity. Now let's unpack those scriptures for just, that scripture just for a second. The word friend can be interpreted as neighbor, an associate, a coworker, a person you on the bowling team with, someone that you drink tea with, a, a, someone uh, that you are familiar with, you go golfing with, something like that. That's a friend. A friend loves at all times. A brother, that's a different relationship. A literal brother or a literal kin or someone who is in close proximity to your life. In other words, it's someone that sees you in multiple situations, like your spouse. Someone who sees you in multiple situations, like your spouse. An individual who is born for adversity. What's adversity means? Adversity means confrontation. Confrontation. So someone is in your life that God gave you, hold on now, who will confront you and who will call you out. Oh, we don't like that. No one likes being called out. Someone who understands that there's some things in your life that perhaps need to be sharpened and you understand that about them. Confrontation, I believe, in marriage is God-ordained. Confrontation in relationship, in any relationship, is God-ordained. I, I was talking to someone one time and they braggingly began to comment to me how they and their spouse <laughs> never have ever argued since they've been married. They've never had coarse words with each other, never uh, yelled, never raised their voice. They always get along. Everything is hunky-dory. And I just stood there in unbelief, my jaw down to the ground. And I thought to myself, either this person is lying to me or the person they're married to is a corpse and isn't alive. Or this person is Jesus Christ and so is their spouse. I, I didn't know which three would have probably fit. I'm here to tell you that there is not a relationship in this world where there hasn't been some kind of a butting of the heads. Let me hear an amen from my 40 and up group. Come on. Come on. The word born so is a brother born for adversity, carries the idea, the implication of, of, of a midwife. A midwife is someone who helps you birth something in, into existence. So if you carry this thought, the scripture out, 
A brother, a brother is born for adversity. A brother is, is there, if you would, to help birth a better you. Let me say it like this. Your spouse is purpose. One of your spouse's purpose uh, is to pull out a Jesus-sized version of himself from you. Oh, did y'all get that? One of the purposes of your spouse is to aid or assist God and to pull out a Jesus-sized version of himself in you. They're not your, your enemy per se. I love this scripture, Mark chapter 10. It talks about these qualities that your spouse has that you need. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, or King, King James, I think, says cleave, to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, and they will no longer be two, but they're going to be one. So what we understand is that growing up under good parents is a blessing, and it's a wonderful thing. But there's nothing in your life that will perfect you. Ready? Ready? like marriage. There's nothing, nothing in the world. I, I remember I had been married, we, my, my, our first year of marriage was a very difficult year. I was wondering, as I'm sure she was, what in the world did I do? And, and we were just like bumping heads all the time. And someone after a year of us being married, one of our young adults in our church said, well, Pastor JP, now that you've been married a year, um, what, what, do you have any good advice that you can give me? I said, uh, he goes, what have you learned about marriage? I said, I have learned that marriage is God's tool to kill your flesh. <laughs> and he was hoping for something better than that. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't have anything. That was all I had. That's the best I could give him. Because that is really one of the true purposes of marriage. I thought I had it all together when I got married. I thought I was probably one of the most perfect candidates for a marriage that there was. I come to find out I had more flaws than I could know what to do with. I asked my daughter if I could share this little story. In fact, I asked her about this, if she remembered this incident. She didn't even remember this incident happening. So I said, well, it did. Your mom and I both know it did. But if you've had, ever had teenagers, you know that raising teenagers can be a challenge, right? And, 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 and you thought raising a kid in diapers was a challenge. It's, it, it, that's the easy part. It's when they get to the teenage parts and they, they begin to stretch their wings and they think they're independent and they don't need you anymore and blah, blah, blah. And, they, and so anyway, um, part of living in a house with a teenager is uh, they can be, um, I'll say it mildly, a little cranky in the morning. Um, you just, you don't know which version of the kid you're going to get that morning when they come down to the breakfast table. And, and, um, and, and my oldest daughter um, was of that, of that elk, if you would. And, and uh, we would have these conversations from time to time. We would say, um, sweetheart, you know, there will be a time you're going to get married. And he ain't going to put up with that. And she would roll her eyes and walk out and go to school. And, and, and we, Melissa and I were just kind of like, oh my goodness. So she got married, Patrick. 
wonderful wedding. I married him. We had a great time. One of the coldest days of the year, wedding outside. And they moved down to South Florida. He's working on staff at a great church down there. And uh, she's going to school. They've been, they're having a good time being married. So about six months or so into the, their marriage, we, Melissa and I take a trip down to just visit with them and hang out with them. And, and it was a delightful time. And, and one particular night while we were there, Patrick was at the church doing some church stuff. And so Melissa and I took Hannah out to IHOP. International House of Pancakes. And I remember we were sitting at a booth. It was blue vinyl seats, dark brown table, linoleum table with the syrups all down here, all the types of syrups to my left. Hannah's sitting across from me. Melissa's sitting across from me on my left, sitting there by the window, street right there. I remember everything about this event because it was a landmark moment. <laughs> and so we had ordered and kind of waiting for our food. And, and uh, so I said, well, Hannah, been married for a few months now. How's marriage? How's everything going? And she broke down in tears. <laughs> Hannah, you okay? I... <laughs> I just want to apologize. <laughs> I'm like, really? For what? I, I don't know. I, I, I was so selfish and self-centered. I, I don't know how you put up with me. I, I don't know how you put up with me. And I'm like, inside I'm going, yes, yes. But I'm not trying to become, oh, sweetheart. Oh. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. You should have got married years ago. I should have got you married when you were 13. What'd I do? Waited so long. So Patrick, whatever you did, come on, bro. Awesome. Write a book. But she found out that marriage has a way of changing you and that there are some things that probably need to be changed. <clears throat> the Bible says what we just read, that whatever I cleave to will define me. What you cleave to defines you. If I find a, a drunkard on passed out on the sidewalk, cleaving to a bottle of Jack Daniels, I'll probably have a pretty good idea that he's a drunk. If I see a, an old, older lady asleep on her recliner, taking a nap with a Bible resting across her chest, I probably am safe to assume that she's a strong Christian woman. Whatever you cleave to, will define you. And if I will take a moment and focus on the qualities that cause you to cleave to the person that you're cleaving to to begin with, then it might spur something within you of why you got married to begin with. Sometimes we forget what we cleave to. 
the beautiful things that we saw in the person that we will one day call our spouse. We forget those things because we get blindsided by all the other things, but we gotta go back and remember, it was for this reason I left my father and mother to cleave to this individual. My, my personal wife, my, my personal wife, my, my only wife, my wife, she's my wife. <laughs> Hey, you try doing this. This isn't easy. <laughs> so yeah, my personal wife. Um, so when we, when I first met her, the first time I ever met, well, maybe the second time I met her, we had a little church, a little youth camp going on. I was a youth pastor, and she, was, she came to the youth camp, and, and uh, we were playing basketball, and I don't, I'll spare you the details, but we were playing basketball, and we were playing. She's very competitive. I found that this girl's very competitive. It's all guys and then her, and, um, and she's very good at playing basketball. She's very athletic, and, and we were playing, and she got hurt. I mean, really hurt bad, and blood coming down her leg, all this kind of stuff, and uh, I'm like, man, uh, Melissa, you need to probably go get checked out with the nurse, and she's like, well, what's the score? What's the score? I'm like, y'all are behind like by two. She goes, give me that ball. I'm not leaving until I, I, I we, we play this game, finish it, and we win. I'm like, what? Who are you? This is amazing. What I found out from the very beginning, the first time I ever met her, that she was not a quitter, that she's a finisher. And I knew in my life as a minister, I, I knew that in ministry, there's many opportunities to be a quitter. There'll be many heartaches in the road of ministry. There'll be disappointments and there'll be things that, you know, didn't go the way that perhaps you thought they would go. And, and, and I knew if I was ever to have a, a wife that I needed someone that would be in it for the long haul. And when I saw that blood rolling down her leg, come on. And she goes, give me the ball. I'm not quitting. I'm not leaving until this thing's over. I'm like, you know what? I need to take note of that. And I kept that a little in my brain for the next many years until eventually we started dating <laughs> and became married and now my personal wife. <laughs> you have to remember what attracted you to the person to begin with because what they have will become what you become. I remember I was, we lived on a farm and we had this electric fence that kept our horse in the, you know, in the pasture. And uh, I had some cousins up visiting with us one time and, um, and they said, what's that little wire around the, the pasture? I said, well, that's to keep our horse in. And they said, you know, that little wire, that keeps a horse in? That big old horse out there, that keeps that horse in? I said, oh, yeah, they're scared of that little wire. Why are they scared of us? It's just, they, they don't like little thin wires. She said, What's, what can be so scary about a thin wire? I said, nothing. It's just a thin wire. She goes, really? I said, yeah, touch it. She said, uh, I don't think, I'm, I don't know, I was, I'm a little scared. But I said, oh, it's no big, it's just a wire. I said, to you, grab my hand and I'll touch it. She goes, okay. She grabbed my hand. I put my, and, and I'd heard about this. I'd never tried it. I was like hoping this was going to work. <laughs> and I put my hand, I put my hand right around that wire. And I didn't feel a thing, just kind of like a little nothing. But she's going. 
<laughs> I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's called an electric fence. It's an electric fence. And the point is that whatever you cling to, it all, all that power, whatever you're clinging to, goes right to both of you. are both attached to the same thing. I'm telling you, when you come to Christ and you center your marriage around Christ and you cling to Christ as the power of the living God, that, that power of Christ comes through you, goes into her, comes into him, and you both become powerhouses in the earth for the kingdom of God. Quickly, quick, quickly, I don't know how we're going to do this. Number two, number two, don't give up. Just don't give up. If I were the devil, I would say to you, I whisper in your ear, you don't deserve this. You don't have to put up with this anymore. The scripture says, let us not become weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. I don't have time to go into all of what that means, but let me just skip through it and by just saying this to you, I, I know sometimes marriage can be difficult, but, but here's what my encouragement is to you. Give God a chance. Don't be quick to jump ship just because, you know, unless there's abuse going on in the marriage, unless there's some, some major stuff going on, uh, other than that, just, just give God a chance to do what God can do. Okay, do, you, do you hear me? I just, don't be so quick to give up. Here's the statistics. 41% of first time people that are married end up in a divorce. And they think, oh, it's gonna be green, the grass is always greener out there on the other side of the fence. They go to the other side of the fence, they get married. 60% of second time marriages end in divorce. And then they get divorced and then 73% of third time marriages end in divorce. Do you see a pattern here? Maybe the, maybe the question should be, is there something better out there or maybe is it better to just stick it out a little bit longer and let God do what God can do. Number three, make marriage a mirror, not a window. Make marriage a mirror, not a window. What do you mean? A window is what you see through to look at others. But a mirror, a mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, a mirror is what you use to look at you. But in marriage, we don't like mirrors. We go like this. No, no, no. We like windows. Growing up, our kids growing up, one of the favorite stories I would tell them was Jesus's admonition to us that we should not look at the speck in someone else's eye when we have a plank in our own. And so there'd be arguments, he did this, she touched me, she did this, she did that. And I would say, plank, plank. And they all knew when I said the word plank, what I was talking about. Get the board out of your own eye before you start dealing with your brother or sister's speck in their eye. 
In other words, use this opportunity of confrontation in this relationship to take a big look at yourself and say, I wonder what I could learn out of this little confrontation. I wonder what God wants me to understand about myself in this situation I'm in because I don't like what's happening. I just need a mirror. Be a mirror. Let confrontation lead you to look at yourself and ask yourself the hard questions about yourself. Recently, uh, I, you know, we, our, our little Ava Grace, and I gotta, I gotta shut this down, but Ava Grace, our little grandbaby, she was just learning how to walk and she'd fall and she'd start crying after she'd fall and, and I, would, I would start pounding the floor and go, bad floor, bad floor, bad floor. And it just, she was like, you know, stop crying and start pounding the floor. Then she'd hit a table and I'd go, bad table, bad table, bad table. <laughs> and then she started hitting the table. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why are you doing that? Quit teaching this little girl to blame other things when it's her fault. I'm like, so I don't bad table, bad floor anymore. Because I'm teaching her how to blame shift. And that's what, something we do so well, isn't it? We remember the garden story? Adam and Eve fall into sin. God comes and goes, hey, what's going on? And Adam goes, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. And, she, and he goes, oh, really? What, what's up with this, Eve? She goes, it's that serpent, God. I mean, boom, boom, boom. It's just like no one's taking responsibility for themselves. We were, we were just driving the other day. Self-confession right here. It's good. Confession's good for the soul. I'm driving. We come to a four-way stop. And everyone's like staring at each other. Don't you hate that? And I'm like directing traffic. And, and, I, and, I, and I start grumbling. I start grumbling. And I start talking out loud. My wife's not saying nothing. I'm like, people don't know how to drive. What's, that, so, what's so hard? First one gets there, it goes. You know, they go next. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not that hard. We go two four-way stops down the road. We're at a four-way stop. I thought I'd look that way. Apparently I didn't. I looked that way. Nothing there. I pull out almost a broadside and hit a lady. She stops thinking she's gonna get hit. I, I slam on the brakes and she gives me this look like the devil himself. I mean, her eyes are in her face and if this was you, I'm sorry, sweetheart, if I did this. I don't know who it was. <laughs> Whoever was watching, I'm sorry. And, and, and then she went on and I came through and I'm driving and I look over at my wife and she's staring out the window. And I said, I know what you're doing. She's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. What? Stop what? Stop what? Isn't it funny? We quickly criticize. We never look at ourselves. Patrick, why don't you come and, and close us out here? Worship team. Number four, and we're done. Spar all day long, but don't compete. In boxing, it's a boxing, sparring is a boxing term. If a, if a boxer is preparing for his match, he doesn't get in there and they'll put another person in there and they'll get him a headgear and everything. And that sparring partner is to help him become a better boxer. 
He needs to practice up. He needs to get ready for the big match, when, for the big showdown, for the big knockout. But, but until that time, we're just gonna go through this practice and you're gonna be my sparring partner. You don't knock out your sparring partner. And we have a couple of football coaches here and they'll tell you when they're practicing, they put the quarterback in the practice with another kind of jersey on different, like a, like a yellow jersey or something like a pullover jersey. And none of the players are allowed to sack or, or cream or tackle the quarterback. Why? Because you, you got to keep your quarterback for the real game. This isn't the real game. This is the practice. And when you're in a marriage relationship, you got to understand that your, your spouse is not your enemy. It's your sparring partner just to sharpen you up. Come on. You're making me mad. No, I'm not. I'm just getting you better. Come on. Muhammad Ali. Flacky. What is it, fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee? I got to give this analogy. I'm done, I'm done, I promise I'm done. So Melissa and I, so this is self-disclosure. I mean, this is like as raw as I can get. And so we, we, we were into our marriage and we'd have a disagreement and so we're start, talking out and, and she'd be like, no. No, no, no. It should be like this. I'm telling, and I said this, and I said that, and I, and, I did, and I did this. And I grew up when my dad taught me, you, 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 you talk low, calm, because the more you raise your voice, you're escalating the situation. So if they, they raise their voice, you calm, you speak loud, softer, and you keep softer. And so the softer I go, the louder she get. I said to her, listen, you, you need to quit yelling at me. She says, I'm not yelling. And was like, I'm not yelling. Well, no, that's, okay, well, you need to bring your tone down a little bit. My tone is fine. You want me to yell? I can yell. You want to hear yelling? We can yell. <laughs> and I'm like, well, can you, can you, can you talk like me? Can we get, just like this. I'm talking like you. No, I'm talking like this. No, I'm talking like you talk. I'm like, I don't understand this. I mean, her eyes go, she talks with her face, everything's, her hands are going and everything, and I'm just trying to be, you know, just calm. And I'm like, God, this is like driving me crazy. And I, I this went on for, are y'all getting loud on me for a reason? Y'all getting, <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to bail me out? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm like, God, I need some help. I need you to help me. And so one day we, we were at a party. And I walk into a party and, you know, unless, unless I'm preaching or pastor or whatever, I'm, you know, I'm just there. I'm just part of the, I'm just hanging out. And I bring like 30% energy into the room. And I look over there and there's this group of ladies and they're all circled and they're all circled around Melissa. And she's talking and she's like, you know, and they're going, ah, and the Lord said, see that? That's why you married her. 
You love the energy. You love the enthusiasm. You love the personality. She brings life into the room. And you're trying to quench her because you want her to be like you. Let her be her. You be you. And be okay with her being her. She's not yelling. She's just being her. And, and we've had a great run. So now we'll be talking. I'm like, hey, you know, we probably should talk about that. Yeah, I know. We should talk about that. I'm like, oh, I love it when you do that. It's just, <laughs> just, yes, just don't yell like you're not yelling. I love it. It brings life to my life. Why don't we all stand to our feet this morning? I believe that marriage is a wonderful thing. Relationships are wonderful things. The most beautiful thing about relationships, remember this, is they teach us a lot about ourselves. So before everyone starts leaving, <laughs> I would like for you to bow your heads for just a moment. And I want to pray for relationships. And I want to pray for those that don't know Jesus. Can I say to you, it all starts with Jesus. All relationships start with Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. We're going to have our prayer teams up here this morning. Prayer teams, if you wouldn't mind, just come on ahead and stand in here with us. And they'd love to pray with you and what we would call a prayer, inviting you into a relationship with him, Jesus Christ. A prayer of surrender. But for those of you who've been married, I want to encourage you. In fact, if you are married and you're standing there next to your spouse, would you just grab their hand for just a moment? Would you do that? Don't squeeze their hand too hard. Just And let's have a word of prayer together. Father, thank you for these incredible marriages. And we ask that you will help us be people that look into the mirror and look at ourselves, and allow you, Lord God, to use our spouse to birth Jesus in a greater dimension through our lives. Thank you for this gift you've given us. Help us to be better at valuing them and loving them the way you value and love us. Thank you for this time and this person that you've given us. In Jesus' name, with eyes still closed, heads bowed. If you're single this morning or maybe you've been through heartache in your past and past relationships, I just want to speak into that. Father God, we pray for those. Lord God, have had some woundings in the past and they've gone through some things, Lord, that have really hurt them. And Lord, we pray that in the season that they're in, that you will help them become healed and whole. And that, Lord, you will gently show them the Christ that's in them. And they will become that person that you've called them to be. We thank you, Father, for the future that we have with one another and with others. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give God some praise this morning? Amen and amen. Go ahead. Amen. So we have communion over here on our right, my right. 
On your way out, if you can take, take communion, we'll be back here Wednesday nights and sign up for marriage retreat. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. Amen.